He's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue. We're Jason. Coming up, we will talk about another Bears win, uh, a game that might have been Justin Fields' finest, and what it means in the big picture. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, you and I are sitting in the Soldier Field press box about an hour after the Bears beat the Falcons 37-17. to Just a thorough butt kicking. And the Bears have not had many of those in a long time. Uh, they took an early 14-0 lead, hung on to it. I believe the closest it got was, what, 10 in the... 10? It did not get down to single digits. Didn't get down to single digits. And this is a team that's pretty good. Uh, not great. They're fine. They're, they're, they're middle middle. They're the road. better than the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is not nobody that they beat solidly. This right. is a, a 500-level team. I think they have the same record now, right? They're both 7-9. and nine. Um, That was not something you could count on the Bears to do early in the season. Right. I mean, they played some teams that would fall in that category early in the season, Patrick. Now, in hindsight, you're looking at Green Bay is about that kind of team. Tampa, Tampa is about that kind of team. Um, Denver is about that kind of team. I'm sure there's some other ones, the Chargers, right. uh, although they lost their quarterback. Um, they The Bears were not doing this to anybody mm-hmm. in the first half of the season when they were 2-7. and seven. The fact that they can do this against a mid-level team, mm-hmm. a 500-ish team, that is progress. And I think what you see now is you see probably more momentum than the Bears have had as an organization since the the offseason going into 2019, which fizzled real fast. Right. You see some sense that things are headed the right way here for the first time since then. The thing that Ryan Poles has to judge is, is it headed high enough fast enough because they won something else today too they won the number one overall pick and while Matt Eberflus said hey man we don't have to make that pick tomorrow and he's right uh, they're going to have a decision to make about whether or not to keep Justin Fields or whether or not to uh, take Caleb Williams or trade that pick for a hundred other picks or do whatever there will be plenty of offseason for us to, to pick this apart but but your point is right Ryan Poles has got to decide what's worth keeping is it Matt Eberflus? Is it Luke Getze? Is it Justin Fields? Is it all of the above, none of the above, etc.? I feel a lot better about uh, Matt Eberflus today than I did a month ago. I'll tell you that. Don't you? Yes, although one of those late-game collapses was just two games ago right. in Cleveland. It wasn't that long ago. But if you're looking at the red flags on Eberflus, and they are significant, mm-hmm. they are all in the first half of this season and possibly last season, but mostly in the first half of this season. The second half of this season – looked much better. The Bears are 5-2. and two. Even the collapse they had against Cleveland wasn't as atrocious as the other two. Mm-hmm. And it was against a good team on the road. Um, the defense looks like it's going well. But the thing, again, Ryan Poles has to evaluate this from the criteria of is this headed toward championship contention? Not just can this team handle Atlanta at home. Right. And what Bears fans need to look at, in my opinion, is – don't be satisfied with just good for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is better than going 3-14. and 14. Yes, this feels better than the last two seasons of Pace Negi, where it just didn't seem like there was anywhere for it to leap to next. Don't, if you're Ryan Poles or if you're Bears fans, don't fall in love with just Bears good. 
Look for real good. But I think you can see real good from here. And, you know, I was telling you, this is the first time, I think in a long time, that you watch 60 Minutes and you can sit there and kind of blur your eyes and go, all right, this is what it's supposed to look like when it's going well. You know, the defense, you know, <laughs> the defense has four interceptions against two really bad Falcons quarterbacks in the snow. But, I mean, they still count. <laughs> this, is a, this is a team that, you know, uh, the second half of the season is taking the ball away at just the world's most ridiculous rate. I believe they passed the 49ers today for the most interceptions in the NFL. And they handled Bijan Robinson okay, and the, right. the offense looked really good. The yeah. offense looked very functional against the number six defense in the league. This is what you get, Pat, when you play kind of middle-of-the-road teams like the Falcons. They're good at something. Right. Like, show me you can manage the thing that they're good at. And the Falcons are very good at stopping the run. They're a very good defense overall. The Bears ran on them. The Bears threw on them. Everything on offense looked pretty good against a very good defense. Yeah, and the Bears threw on them despite not having really a fully functional Cole Komet. He played a little bit. He was more comfortable uh, run blocking than he was doing He said he was else. the third tight end basically today. Yeah, DJ Moore, though, goes nine catches, 159 yards. Starts out on the very first offensive play of the game after uh, the Falcons leave a kick short. Uh, you know, the Bears go deep over the top to DJ Moore, and right away, immediately like that, you open up everything underneath. And, you know, we've seen Justin Fields play entire games without making a throw like that. He makes one there later in the drive. DJ Moore has a Willie Mays catch down the opposite sideline and catches a touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, and the Bears are in business. And it's it looked good. It looked good. They had, they had one wide receiver worth anything playing tonight. Darnell Mooney was out. Uh, Cole Komet hurt again. Their pass catching options weren't great. And they managed to just be really, really functional. I think seven of their first 12 possessions ended in a score of one kind of one kind or the other. That's something I would take 100 days out of 100. They thrived offensively, and Justin Fields thrived in total at quarterback. This is, this is exactly what I would be looking for from Justin Fields. He completes 63% of his passes. He throws for 268 yards with a touchdown, no turnovers, a 99.5 passer rating. He throws in 45 yards rushing when they needed it mm -hmm. and gets a touchdown that way, too. That's the equation. That would be it. 260 and 40 on the ground, that's the way to get to 300. Not, you know, 170 yards passing and 130 yards rushing that you cannot count on reliably to be able to get. Uh, this is it. This checks every box for me on what I want to see from Justin Fields or any other quarterback. The question that, again, you have to ask yourself as you have the number one pick is, can he do this all the time? Because there are guys that do. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts. Those guys do basically this as their average. Right. Can Justin Fields make this his average? Or is it this is only what it's going to look like at its best? And there's going to be a lot of other games where he struggles to get to 180 passing yards or 200 passing yards. The best answer I can give you right now is if you come to the conclusion that he can do this all the time, that is an act of faith. That may not be wrong. You yeah. may be proven right. But you can't base that on what you've seen so far. You wouldn't. There isn't concrete evidence of that. No, had, he, had he done yeah. what he did today, a passer rating of 99.5, had he done that in, you know, 12 of 17 or 16 games this year, if this was what we saw. If this was kind of his normal. Yeah, then I think you could put faith that it'd be like that, or you could believe that it'd be, it'd be like that going forward without seeing it. I mean, that's the whole conversation about Justin Fields, isn't it? It's that, it's that 
you know, he needs to prove to you that he is their quarterback of the future, and he has not done it nearly enough. There is an argument to be made for keeping him and surrounding him with, you know, uh, way, way too many good players for one draft because you'll get a lot for your number one pick. But if you make that decision, I think it'll be because you think he's on the upswing, not because you've seen it with your own two eyes. If you're Ryan Poles, you have entered a sequence in which you took this job, you got handed a quarterback who was taken number 11 overall just the year before, so you've gotten a highly drafted quarterback. You end up with the number one pick in 2023. You trade down. You end up with the number one pick now in 2024. Mm-hmm. A first-round quarterback, two number one overall picks. That sequence has to end with you have a franchise quarterback. It does. And you have. And if he is committed to Justin Fields, then he is betting his career on that because there, there's already been a, a missed opportunity to get someone like C.J. Stroud, to get C.J. Stroud specifically. The Bears would have had to have kept that pick moved on from Justin Fields, and evaluated the quarterbacks in the draft class correctly to get C.J. Stroud. If I told you right now whoever they draft, no matter who it is, that quarterback would be C.J. Stroud, I think I would much rather have C.J. Stroud at quarterback than Justin Fields. But you don't know if that's what you're going to get. No, and You could you, get Zach Wilson. And also if you look at uh, Mark Potash, and I talked about this on Thursday, if you look at the top three quarterbacks taken for the last 10 years, 12 years, Nobody's C.J. Stroud. I mean, it's Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, and a bunch of questions. There's a lot of misses. Yeah, and you have to wonder whether uh, Justin Fields, uh, being the devil you know, you know, whether there's something reassuring about that or not. Uh, I thought today was maybe the best game he's played. Uh, it's, it, was, um, it was in weather. It was, uh, there were lots of reasons why it could have gone poorly, and it didn't. You know, if he had come out and done half as well today, we'd sit there and be like, well, he didn't have Kamen, he didn't have Mooney, it was snowing. But now he did well despite that. And so much of the conversation about him over the years with us has been, is he, you know, can he make other people better or do things need to be perfect for him? Uh, today, at least, things didn't have to be perfect and he was good enough to win. No, they had offensive line trouble. Uh, they had, like you said, a shortage of wide receiving threats, whether that's the actual wide receivers or Komet, Darna Mooney was out. Um, Tyler Scott, not quite ready yet, I don't think. Had some opportunities, isn't quite there. Um, and Justin Fields more than made do. I, I agree with you. I think this was his most complete game of the season and possibly his career. It's a good time for it. Good time for it. Uh, uh, better late than never. The Bears play uh, the Packers next week. At some point, as you and I sit here right now, we don't know the time or day. We should know by the end of Sunday night. So that could be Saturday afternoon or evening, or it could be in any one of the three usual Sunday slots. This is a talk radio topic, and I apologize in advance. All right. There's no reason to sit Justin Fields, is there? No, 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 no. No, I think you need to see everything that there is to see. I think if he's going to be your quarterback next year, this is an important game for him. If he's not going to be your quarterback next year, it's still an important game for him. And I think... Uh, this this would be a really bad time for the Bears to lay down. Uh, last year made sense. Yeah, I like that last year they were kind of doing it without saying they were doing it, mm-hmm. and we all knew they were doing it. Right. But this would make sense to play this out. I mean, eight and nine, man. Especially if you're Matt Eberflus, eight and nine looks pretty good. One game short of 500 after a three-win season. Winning five of your last six. It helps. Seven of your last nine. Yeah. You're, yeah. Uh, you're, somebody asked, we, I was talking to somebody about this. Six of their last eight. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about this uh, as we were waiting. An interminable amount to get in the locker room, by the way. Way too long. Yeah. 
Um, the bears feel stable. I'm crossing myself as I say this because it's so rarely that you can that you can say it. The bears feel stable today. Benching your quarterback to protect his draft stat or his trade uh, status by keeping him healthy would destabilize something you have worked so hard just to get back to normal. Not even good, just normal. And I, I think the idea of that doesn't make any sense. And, and the second thing about it that doesn't make any sense is, Jason, have you met the McCaskies? <laughs> do you think the right. McCas- what do you that. think the McCaskies would say about uh, rolling over against the Green Bay <laughs> yeah. freaking Packers? Yeah, you want to lay down against the Vikings for the number one pick last year? Fine, but this is different. I think what I yeah. said to somebody was that if I was going to rest Justin Fields in the final game so I could trade him, I would need a letter in writing, maybe even um, uh, stamped by a notary public from – uh, George McCaskey saying, we will not hold this against you and fire you at the end of the season. Uh, anything else jump out at you uh, today? Uh, the defense, you know, they give, give up a 75-yard screen pass for a touchdown to Tyler Algier. But otherwise, well, uh, you know, that seemed to be really the only blip. Uh, you know, they had some issue with with uh, Taylor Heineke and his, and his mobility, but I think everybody does. Uh, four interceptions is something that's just, boy, you don't see that every day. Um, I mean, the only other thing I can think of, Jason, I know I asked you what if there's anything else you thought of, but do you want to walk the people through the kickoff or the field goal return? Oh, at the end of the first half? Yeah. That was interesting, and I still don't know which way the wind was blowing because Matt Eberflus in, what, corrected a reporter who asked today about kicking that field goal into the wind. And he said it was with the wind. Right. But I, we where we were sitting, I commented on it to you. The snow was going horizontally, mm-hmm. and it was going from north to south. North to south yeah. So th- from that told me they were kicking into the wind on this right. monster kick, as they call it. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. Herb Howard from the Bigs talked to Cairo Santos afterward about it, yeah. and Cairo said the wind was blowing in his face. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's the caveat to all of this, is if you've never been to this place – Soldier Field. There's a reason why it is the most hated stadium in the league among kickers. The wind can be doing different things in different parts of the stadium. Right. It can switch really fast. I have seen what it changes, man. I have seen a flag on a goalpost going one way and a flag on the opposite <laughs> goalpost twenty feet away right. going the right. other way. It, right. That's not that unusual. So I mean, Maddie, we could all be right. The wind was with them and against them and sideways all at once. Like it's always possible in Soldier Field. <laughs> But so they try. They, they try to. They try a fifty-five yard field goal at the end uh, of the first half. And Atlanta's playing for it. They're yeah. playing the Devin Hester game here, where they've got uh, D. Alford. D. Alford standing, waiting in the back of the end zone for this. Catches the ball, and Jason for about five seconds. I thought he was going to score a touchdown. He went right, and then it looked like they'd kind of had him hemmed in, and then he broke left down the left sideline, and I think all he had to beat was. Cairo Santos and maybe Lucas Patrick. And Robert Tunyon. Yeah, and I, I believe it was Tunyon that eventually got in and kind of – he kind of tripped. Right. And Tun, uh, Alfred did. And Tunyon also kind of smacked him swiping at the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was this close, Pat. That was an inch yeah. from being a touchdown for the Falcons right before halftime. It was so close. Yeah. It was so close that uh, it appeared Arthur Smith, the Falcons coach, was arguing with the officials about whether his player had tripped and hit the ground or had been forced to the ground by a Bears player that maybe it was still a live ball. And you saw some Falcons uh, special teams players, they got Alfred up really quick and had him run into the end zone sure. just to complete the play, just in case. 
Do you think eight weeks ago that's a touchdown, the way the Bears were going? When just everything that could go wrong did? <laughs> yeah. yeah, possibly. I think right now the one of the important things to remember if you're watching the Bears is that you can get so weighed down by the decisions they have to make on Eberflus, Fields, and Getze. Right. And you can get just kind of bogged down in the difficulty of those decisions because there are difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus has a case to stay. Mm-hmm. Also, I think he would not measure up to some other candidates. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has a case to stay. Mm-hmm. Also, you have the number one pick in the draft and could pick any quarterback you want this year. Luke Getze probably has to go. But <laughs> I think you can get bogged down in all of that and not realize that they're in a really good situation no matter which way they go on any of those things. You are in a situation right now where things are on the way up and you're trying to decide, because I would bet on this team to make the playoffs next year based off what I'm seeing now mm-hmm. and with the resources they all have in the offseason to add right. between the draft and the, and the cap space, you, you could say this is a team as is that has a chance, a very good chance to compete for a playoff spot next year. And then you have to ask yourself, is that enough? Or right. do we need upgrades to really aim even higher? Yeah. And I would say aiming at either spot right now is major progress for the Bears. You're in a good spot mm-hmm. no matter which way you go on some of these big decisions in the offseason. They have to choose between a good decision and a better decision, which is very different than where they were. <laughs> it's a lot different than some of the O-lines and secondaries that they've been stitching together over the years. I mean, and just Trading like, for Nick Foles. I mean, and, and I'm oversimplifying this terribly. But the choice to have a quarterback is between maybe, what, the second can't-miss quarterback since Andrew Luck in the draft circles, right? Mm-hmm. Or Justin Fields, who's getting better, and 17 draft picks. Like, that's a great decision. Either either way, you're, you're doing all right. Um, you know, Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison, and 12 draft picks. Uh, that's, that's good. I mean, you know. The hall for number one is going to be unlike mm-hmm. anything anyone's ever gotten. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it'll be. But there's a reason. There's a reason why you'd give up so much to get that pick. Yeah. And you know, there was a case last year. I know that it has worked out pretty well. This trade with the Panthers has worked out very well. But there was a case last year for keeping that pick, even if you weren't taking a quarterback, and Mm -hmm. you take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter before his stock slips. Like you need great players on this team. Trading down and getting a bunch of good players helps, but. You also need some great players. You need somebody who, you know, you might build a statue of them someday. I think that's the lesson of Montez Sweat, too, is that is you see the difference between a great player and a good player. Um, you know, the Bears traded and gave up what they gave up and spent, and then spent what they had to spend on him because they know that they don't get, they only get so many opportunities to get somebody like him in their building. Uh, real quick before we go, I just want to acknowledge that the Ryan Poles trade might have been the greatest trade ever made in the history of the NFL because as we sit here right now, the number one pick for the number one pick, that's the trade, right? Yep. Last year's number one for this In year. a better quarterback class this, this coming year. And in addition to the one that the Bears get, the Bears got DJ Moore. The Bears got Darnell Wright. The Bears got Tyreek Stevenson, roughly, right? And the Bears get a number two pick in next year's draft. They get a second rounder in 2025. Yeah, next yeah. year's draft. Yeah, yeah 2025. That's, uh, that's a pretty good haul. It's, and DJ Moore, you can't you can't say enough about what a huge piece of the trade he was because he's been their best player. And it was something you kind of saw coming all along. Right. He showed up. We had high expectations. He, You could see it in practice from the beginning. There was never any guesswork on DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. He has done nothing but exceed every expectation of him coming in. 
uh, the first day of training camp, it was clear, and the most recent game we just watched, it was it was clear. Uh, that's uh, DJ's maybe been the most consistent thing on a very inconsistent football team. Nine catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown for DJ Moore on a bad ankle. Did Nikhil Harry have that all year, last year? Nine for 159? <laughs> all year. No, I don't total, think so. Total. I don't think so. No, I know what you're asking, yeah. and I don't think so. Just such a difference from what last year was. Jason, we will be back later in the week to talk about the Packers, uh, whenever that game may be. Um, uh, well, before we go, because this is a good pod, Jason is going to look up Nikhil Harry's uh, 2022 stats. Survey says, Jason? For the, for the entire year, Nikhil Harry, seven catches for 116 and a touchdown. That's just an okay day for DJ Moore. I know. That's amazing. Oh, great. Anyway, we will be back later in the week. We'll talk about Packers week. We'll talk about what all this means for the future. Until then, he's Jason. I'm Pat. Mark Potash is far afield. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.